On this episode of Security Decoded, we're going to talk a little Super Bowl, and then we'll go right into our security topics for the week. We've got the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. Hey, they've all been hacked by the Chinese. Why are they doing it? What information are they getting? We're going to talk about Twitter. What about the exploitations that are out there now? We're going to talk some Android. Yes, they're affected too, and they're jumping to PCs. And finally, we've got Java. Lots of Java. Hey, we've got an exploit this week. John's going to break it down for us. And finally, we're all going to give what we like about our cell phones and what we wish they could do. Welcome to Security Decoded. This week's episodes, we have our security expert, we have Mike Myers and John Giebert. So I guess the first topic that we want to cover is the past Super Bowl. Did your team win, Mike? I don't have a team. No team? The house team won. How's that? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> how about you, John? No, my team wasn't in there, but um, the team I was rooting for did win, yeah. Okay, how about the commercials? Do we have a favorite commercial? I do. I have a favorite one to hate. <laughs> Mine, mine's Paul Harvey. Um, it's just... Brought back a lot of memories. I mean, nobody has the the ability of Paul Harvey. He's just he's unique. It and was uh, definitely a throwback, a nice tribute to farmers and the agriculture society. It was, it was, it was a great commercial. I, I thought that the commercials were great this year because they actually had meaning to it. Yeah. So. And what was your worst one, which is the one that, that you hated? <laughs> Good Daddy one. It was oh. gross. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the least popular one. I and uh, I take offense to it because... I actually think uh, they were doing it to get to get the, the shock factor out of it. That's Yeah. That wasn't shock. That was just I, wrong. I take offense. Why do they assume all programmers are nerdy? I mean, I, weren't you offended at that? I was offended at that. Uh, it was more the sound effects to me. It was yeah, kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, graphic, maybe. And uh, the power outage, we know that uh, they're blaming it on either one of two things, our favorite computer glitch or uh, Bane. Either one of those two items, <laughs> I think. So that's the, the news item for the Super Bowl. Let's go to our security items for the week. Uh, the first one is that uh, Chinese hackers are attacking the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post. What data are they trying to steal? That's a good question. They haven't looked out and said what they got, necessarily. Just they know that they're there. I almost think it was in response to the fact that the New York Times was um, basically trying to throw a story up a bit against the Chinese government. So um, as, as Dennis said earlier, it's the Great Wall of China. You, you don't talk bad about it. They don't let it get out. And the fact that the New York Times was, was publishing information about some of the politics going on over in China, I think it was more of, of okay, it was a, a preemptive strike. They're going to get in to either strike back or to establish themselves in the network so if this happens again that they're positioned so i i don't know so much if it was a data stealing so much it was them well, pre-positioning themselves they did say they got passwords for all the employees and logged on and broke into and spied upon 53 computers yeah you know they probably were looking for sources and uh, any kind of preemptive information right. that might have been coming out um I, there was one person who speculated they were looking for um some of the articles are doing about the manufacturers over there and trying to figure out who was the leak from the manufacturing stories. But again, that was just some way speculation. 
Oh, looking yeah. for uh, sources then for yeah. people who like might who's, be talking. Who's, who's telling about them? <laughs> yeah, but so China tends to be very tight-lipped on their stuff. Um, any any industry that tries to get in there, they they have to meet their regulations. They have to meet their guidelines. They want to control the image of China. Um, they can't control the New York Times, and I think this is their attempt, like you said, to find a potential source. You know, who's talking about China? If it's coming from within China, can they control that then? In the grand scheme of things, getting their employees' passwords isn't that big of a deal. It's not like they tried to get subscribers, credit cards, or something like that. You know, it, the data itself for most people, for most people, was benign. So they're trying to do something, you know, internal. It seems like. You know, uh, over the past years, that many newspapers and news organizations have stopped covering international. It's all one big AP line for now on. Yeah. These are three newspapers that actually have large international viewers. So I thought it was interesting that China would determine that. We want to target these three because they're the most likely to be the, right. the new or, news organizations that are going to cover us. I found it interesting that their initial breach was via email. Yeah. So it, we always talk about phishing and don't click that link. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's the low tech. Um, something that we talked about earlier. It's 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 easily predicted that uh, on one of our episodes. <laughs> Is that right, John? Did somebody predict that? I think I heard it somewhere. Mm. It's easier to hack the human. Um, I don't have to go through firewall. I don't have to go through IDS, IPS. Um, I don't have to pay somebody an extraordinary amount to write some kind of deceptive code. They just go straight after the user. And so, um, and and you know, like I said, we're, we'll see this more and more and more. Um, it's it's the user vulnerability. How do you, we think that the Times? How do we think they handled it? They, um, the New York Times, try to get ahead of it. Uh, they they like to say that they openly disclose everything, that they are um, objective and not subjective. So for them to just outwardly come out about it just follows what they do. It's a distribution of information. Why are they going to hide anything? They, they're they out there. They hold the keys of the kingdom to inform the world of what's going on. So for them to try to hide their own breach goes against what they do at their own core. So um, following their own core values, I think they did the right thing. Um, it is going to happen. Uh, you just have to be able to respond to it quickly. And their response was actually very good. Um, they aren't IT professionals. They're quickly? a newspaper. Quickly? So, they had it for four months. <laughs> well, well, they're not even sure it was just four months. It I could, see. They're saying, yeah. They said yesterday that they could be still in hack. They're still being hacked. Yeah. So. And, they, and they had to go outside of themselves, which was smart. Well, yeah. 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 So, I mean, they're not a security organization. I mean, they surely have something inside security, but they're not like a yeah. security company. So what do they do? What kind of measures do they put in place to stop it or detect it? Or do they let them come in and try to detect it on the backside? Oh. Well, no. I mean, that's why you bring in other companies what to do. In this case, they're getting into the human element. you got to put tools in there to see them calling in and out, you know, some kind of inline device, like a fire or something that's going to see the call-outs. Uh, IDS would probably help. So I'm not sure what they put in place. I mean, and your question about how did they handle it, you know, they've started pointing fingers, kind of pointing fingers, at their <laughs> AV vendor, which... Oh, they, everybody yeah. likes to beat up on the poor AV vendors, don't which they? Which they mention by name, which, you know... <laughs> it's, and I, you know, I can, I can defend them, um, the AV vendor, or I can defend New York Times, depending on how you want to pitch it. And everybody has their opinion, and it's all on your perspective. Um, was this malware? Um, it was a fish. It's so fishing, it was a compromise. Yeah. So is there a malware signature to detect it? But at the same time, after you fish somebody, what do you usually do? Embed malware, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. That's your backdoor. Yeah. So, you know, it's... it's a, that doesn't mean that um, the AV vendor is going to detect it anyways. Not every AV vendor is perfect. I mean, the one you have you think is really bad probably because it's not catching things. But if you go to another vendor, 
you're going to same issue. They're going to catch things too. I mean, yeah. yeah, I did like how all the AV vendors kind of uh, huddled together yeah. and said, "Hey, it's not that you have to have layered security." That's right. And if you're depending on your signature set, well, that's not really what it's for. Right. I did like how they brought in Median to help them detect block, and then, well, let's hope that they purged them right. out of there. Um, but Media knew what they were doing. They uh, they had already tagged this group. They called them uh, China Number Twelve. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting too, because it, it was like the Chinese was according to the New York Times, and they based that on past attacks by the Chinese military uh, and some of the signatures and stuff like that. Yeah, is and, this where they uh, saw that they started at eight o'clock workday, workday in China eight o'clock? I don't then, know if it didn't didn't specify that. It talked yeah. about other some of the methods they used. Uh, the constantly changing IP addresses, things like that, yeah. that they use were common to the, the ch- attack from China. Yeah, and fast the chi- flux, the China I believe, Ministry, right? It's funny because the China Ministry of Defense, of National Defense, has denied that the government had anything to do with hacking spree. <laughs> Chinese laws, and it's in quotes, Chinese laws prohibit any action, including hacking, that damages Internet security. The ministry told the Times last week. I believe that is the same uh, denial that they gave the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, the New York Times said, that, yes, we've been hacked. Uh, we think they did the right thing by coming out. Um, and then, ironically, the Wall Street Journal says, hey, us too. And then the Washington Post, uh, right. same thing. Um, and then it turns out Twitter says, well, I better get in the act too. And then yeah. Twitter has been hacked. Uh, they've had 250,000 uh, accounts. Um, John, you want to lead us a little into that about how they did it and what information did they pull out of it? So basically a hacker is able to penetrate their network. And once they were able to penetrate their network, they were able to gather things like um, personal information like username. Um, they were able to get email address, session tokens, and also encrypted and salted versions of passwords, which are commonly taken on most hacks like this. So when people go after social sites, they're going to want things like usernames. They're going to want your passwords or salted encrypted passwords to eventually what they're going to do is they're going to work through that list. And they're going to be able to extract usable passwords out of it and compromise the account. <clears throat> they try to downplay it. Um, they try to say... Uh, well, we've seen this before. Um, this is a common, you know, they they try to lower the, the urgency to it. Um, and they sent a mass distribution email to the 250,000 suspected users. So that's the thing. It's a suspected users. They can't confirm the total number of users. So you, you run into a scenario where... Are those 250,000 that got the email are going to be adequate? I think what they should have done was an environment-wide. Um, we had a hack. There was a potential for uh, just for um, best practices. Let's just get everybody to change your passwords. Um, let's just do a global distribution. You want to For all Twitter accounts. For everybody Twitter has a Twitter accounts. account, they might want to get into the habit of changing out their passwords periodically. Anything that's publicly facing, anything that's social, um, Twitter, Facebook, um, MySpace, the the new um, Google Meeting site. So anything that is publicly facing um, is a potential threat for being compromised. Mm-hmm. It is a good idea to not wait till something like this happens. Uh, you need to develop habits where just change your password on a regular basis. If it's publicly facing, if the public is watching what you post, if anyone can follow your update status, then they also have that access to your account to try to go ahead and penetrate the network. So it's just a good practice to get into to regularly rotate your passwords. So, now, now the passwords were encrypted, salted. Uh, are we secure or is there still a threat? A, a, a salted password and encrypted password is much safer. I mean, it's very hard to break unless you know what the salt is. Yeah. Or unless so. your password is password. 
well, something yeah. in it. Man, man, I, can't, I can't help you. That <laughs> That's one. right. So. Or the username. Or the username. Yeah. Yeah. But by grabbing okay. salted passwords, it's it's a matter of time. Anything is a matter of time, effort, and money. Well, um, you know, and like you said, you'll have you'll have weaker passwords. Yeah, I would think that a Twitter account wouldn't garner a lot of attention to the salted password. I think, uh, as we were talking earlier, we said, well, you really want that email address. Right. So is it a good idea to have a fake email address or to change out your emails periodically as well? A lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't, yeah. don't accounts offer you like throwaway emails now? So there's a lot of places where they say, in order for you to register for us or in order for you to gain access, we need an email account which exposes you to, you know, a, a Spam attack, a spear fish. Yeah, or, I mean, my general rule with that is you create a separate account just for that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, so yeah, basically throw away accounts. I think, right. I, and it, and it's probably a good practice to do something like that. You you don't want to tie everything into a single point of failure, you know. Right. So, um. Well, let's uh, let's take a poll on our phones. I what kind of phone do you use? I have an iPhone, which no. you can hear. Yes, <laughs> sorry, can hear, I can hear it. <laughs> And what phone are you using now? You're using two phones, right? I actually use two. I have an Android and an iPhone. But so you have Android, an Android and the iPhone, right. and I'm sticking I'm an equal opportunity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone with the Android. The Android yeah, is the hottest selling phone. And in fact, worldwide, it is the most popular phone right, right. now. Only in uh, Great Britain and uh, in Japan. Um, oh, right. I'm sorry, in the U.S. and Japan is the iPhone the king. Right, yeah. right. And I'm sticking, of course, with our Canadian friends, which is now called BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have to remember that rim is now BlackBerry. <laughs> BlackBerry. But the reason why we bring this up is because we have a creepy new Android uh, virus, which can jump from the Android. This is the first time that we've seen this. Jumps from the, the mobile device to the PC. Right, and it's the first time I've heard of that. I've heard it going the other direction before, but I've never heard of it going from the phone to the PC, yeah. which is a little scary. So we're in new territory now. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely new territory. We And I think what, what's worse is, is it's it's these progressions. So um, now that I have something that can move from a phone or a mass storage device onto the PC, um, what about cloud-based? So what are, you know, I bet you the next progression is going to be, let me jump to the cloud, right. then I can jump to any device that and, you can. And any of your devices, cloud. yeah, at that point. Yeah. So, and then, and, you know, the security community needs to be aware of that. They they have to have that on their radar. You know, we've seen the progression of phone to PC. Right. Now it's probably going to be phone to cloud to any device that you connect. Yeah, now when I was reading about that particular one, um, it said about it only works if you have auto run. So huh. most new operating systems don't have auto run turned on. But if you're still running XP, you're you know, obviously you're going to be at risk for that. Yeah. Huh. And I think the other difficult thing, though, is... is um, we get very comfortable at work, uh, where we'll deploy policies um, as a best practice to protect our user and to protect our network, and it's the home user. Right. So, um, you know, there there are several um, ways that you can go to protect yourself. Um, you can Google it online and make sure that auto run is disabled. Um, we can offer it as a security one one tip um, coming up in the future to help our users uh, be able to disable things like auto run to prevent. Um, malware from jumping from device to device and usually malwares that move from device to device generally get categorized as a worm or worm-like behavior well the list of things that this virus can do was was quite impressive it can turn on your wireless it can take your contacts it can uh, send, send sms send sms yeah actually it looked like what it was doing is it would broadcast sms lots of different malware coming up 
would broadcast SMS as well. But is it, uh, you're talking about the bill. Yeah, shopper. I'm the bill one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm jumping well, ahead. Well, that one, <laughs> we can talk about that one. And that one actually goes back to our Chinese um, uh, viruses. I guess they stay in the Great Firewall of China right. as well. Right. And they're having a large problem with that because they mostly use Android. Right. And uh, they don't have the bigger controls that you would find outside the, the firewall of China. Yeah. And so it's a uh, bill it's called Bill Shocker because it actually bills them. So it sends out these messages. Yeah. It runs the charges up. <laughs> see, so let's see, I wonder who's sponsoring that one. Are they yeah. legitimate charges? Well they're, they're texting, so yeah. every oh. time they text the virus itself is texting up. Bill yeah. Shocker. So when you get your bill you go Yeah, you send out yeah. twenty thousand texts at yeah. five cents a piece or whatever and Ouch. it adds up quick. So you gotta worry about Android. Um they have quickly come onto the market. I mean, almost too fast for their own good. Um, I was reading up on an article where they said over this past holiday season, in excess of 700,000 Android platforms were sold. Uh, whether that's tablet or mobile phones, it was, I mean, that's, that's a that, large number. That actually seems kind of low for the holiday so, period. I thought it was a couple of million. They, they said that they're dominating right now at a percent of 94 to 95% of the market. And that iPhone and um, Windows is fighting for the others, and then of course BlackBerry is trying to wedge <laughs> Just, themselves. We're coming back. A, we're coming back. <laughs> yeah, is back in. But um, we decided to update the product after ten years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, Android is is you know it is just taking over. It and uh, I think what's happening is it's. it's growing faster um, than its security. You know, he asked me that question about the 94%, right. and I said, oh, iPhone. And he said, no, well, no, Android. Android. Um, one of those, uh, in our notes in here, I think it says that in the U.S. and in uh, China, Japan. the iPhone still is the leader. Japan. But Japan. Japan, yeah. China is definitely in Android territory. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's losing its grip. Um, and Android is just... Now, I will say from a developer standpoint and a security point of view, Android's gotten much better. Um, each version that comes out, it's better and better. Um, the problem I have with Android now is their store is not protected in any way. They, I mean, it's protected a little bit, but that's where you see most of the malware come from. Um, in fact, I believe it was uh, one of these malwares we're talking about was actually in the App Store, and they pulled it now, finally. Yeah, well, they pulled it, but they're worried about it was the previous one, the, the one that can right. actually jump. So it took them forever to find things. Like Apple, they sandbox it. Yeah. Yeah. I was say, it that's, doesn't do something weird. That's they call you. Droid Cleaner. And, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's what, it that's what they, they yeah, removed. It. Them, and, but they're afraid it comes, will come back under a different name. name. Yeah. But that's the biggest difference between Apple and, and Droid. I mean, other than you know platform, open operating system, but it's it's where you get your apps from. Right. Um, Apple has is, is invested a lot of time and effort to make sure that anything it posts within their app store has been fully vetted. Right. And um, the other thing with the um, Apple app store is you know, they, they, in addition to uh, tearing it apart, is their apps run on the phone and they run in, an, uh, they call it a sandbox, but your data is really encrypted through the phone. I mean, if you pulled the SIM out or anything like that, your data, you can't, you can't get it anymore because it uses the, the PIN code. That's in there for that. So are that's something Android doesn't quite do yet. Because that's because it's manufacturer agnostic. So are they as tight on the code as they are with their OS systems? Uh, yes. Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Well, our next news item is Oracle released a Java update earlier to address wild uh, in the wild exploitations of a new bug. Didn't we do this last time? That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I think we do this every week. I think another. So um, with Java, it's it's. It's getting to the point where it's not necessarily a new exploit. Um, it's just a, a long list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, a long list. So It's like the NBA continuation play. It just yep. keeps going. 
Um, and and right now they're just in a total reactive state. Um, and if Java does not change their practice and start to get proactive on their releases and try to basically hack themselves, they're losing credibility quickly. Uh, the United States government has already recommended that everybody disable Java from their devices because in the long run, you are going to be more secure. Um, so what you're saying is you should be hiring the hackers. <laughs> Right. If, I mean, if it works, they the, the hackers. Well, they seem you know, to be ahead of everybody. It, it'd be a lot of money, though. I mean, so, it, it you know, if you have a small select team um, that you know just you do a proactive hack against yourself. Um, it's the same as running app scans against yourself before you put up an application um, within your own environment. Um, while you run Nessus scans against your box, you basically try to hack your own environment to harden it, and. Right now, Java is not giving me the confidence that they're hardening their their applications, that they're hardening their code. So, and you you keep keep getting exploited like this, and you know you, you lose all credibility. Right. I had so. kind of hoped whenever Oracle had, had bought Java, they would put some more energy behind securing it up. Um, so I'm a little disappointed they haven't. Make and it a usable app. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, I mean, it's usable, but it's so open. I just wonder if it's such a big beast right now that it's difficult to get its hands around. Yeah, that's probably hmm. lots so. of Well, this next news item is one in my area of expertise. A massive credit card fraud steals over $200 million worth of uh, – or $200 millions funneled out to foreign banks. And I thought it was quite clever. Yeah. They uh, – instead of taking other people's uh, credit information and, uh, and their info, what they did is created their own. They yeah. created bogus accounts. Let's print your own cards. And, right. And they built up their credit. So they'd right. have a higher credit line, and eventually they would just max out the credit and not pay. Right. So is this a new wave? Is this going to be something it to definitely, take well, it Definitely. Well, it does affect us ultimately because the credit card company is going to end up paying for this. They can't, uh, they can't it always It doesn't, it doesn't affect this. my credit necessarily. Yeah, so right. I also probably do it this way if they're going to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad they were caught, and uh, they seem to have tracked them to the banks. Uh, but as always, the FBI takes their time, and they have to watch them for quite a bit until they gather every button. They're sure that they have most of the ring. Did they notice, Dennis, that this was more um, at a local level? Is Was this seem to be an isolated attack, or is this something that like Citibank or B of A needs to watch for? No, they were quite good about it. They, uh, they were able to uh, spread it around so you can't. You know, so a little bit here, a little bit there. And uh, the FBI had admitted that said it was quite good. And if they had just been a little more cautious, a little less greedy, they may still be operating today. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. So our next one, I believe we've talked about this too. The Rove, uh, the members of Rove uh, Digital pleaded guilty to charges of wire and computer intrusion. So this is another. This is the Estonia-based crime ring. Right. That we've spoken back, uh, spoken about in the past. So, so let me ask you this question. You know, I know how much we've all been involved with the fake AV. Mm -hmm. Are you happy to hear that they, the programmer who wrote it, or at least one of them, has been captured? Uh, and this is this is what I hear. I hear this from some uh, well-known professors. Is that there's an area in Eastern Europe that uh, they all drive Ferraris, and uh, it's that <laughs> it's that hacker capital of the world. It's like uh, Silicon Valley was yeah. a few years ago. But, but I, I think we're beyond that. So it's it's great news, and and I think what they're trying to do is is they're trying to say, hey, we're really involved in in your security. That we're really interested in. That we're kind of looking, and it's it's as much as a difficult job to put something like this out in the public, I think tries to buy some reassurance. But um, it's the it's it's the Steve Jobs um, with the passing of Steve Jobs. Did Apple stop? 
you know, I, th I think they did such a good job of getting a really good version of fake AV out there. And right now it's not necessarily fake AV so much as it's ransomware. Um, we're seeing a, a huge spike in ransomware. Um, once that base code has been flushed, right, and that's you a know. Whole other subject, scary subject, actually from, you know, you think about ransomware encrypting your data and you gotta pay to get it unencrypted. So yeah, it's a whole other subject though, not for today's show. No, <laughs> but they'll they'll pay for that code and they'll sell it and then now everybody else has it. So mm -hmm. catching catching the, the row of digital pleading guilty to this, you know, it's it's almost a little you know, too little too late. Yeah. And to Mike's point, okay, you brought one down. Well there's probably another fellow too right. or another yep. and, Yeah, uh, just keep on going. I mean know. that's another subject for another time as well is how they make money. I mean it's, it's amazing there's a whole economy behind this now. It used to be back in the days where they used to face things with people just having fun. Yeah. So that's a whole other week and discussion. And I've heard that the price of stolen credit card data has actually gone down because yeah. it's flooded the market and there's other ways to make money. Yeah, I think that's so like five, $5 a person. $5 for, a person. For more than information than you need to get a credit card. So. Yeah. So it's basically supply and demand. Right. There's, supply and demand. Yeah. Always people picking up data. And then we have another one, crooks netted millions in coordinated ATM heights, or heists that were timed to begin on Christmas Eve. This one will f affect our credit. This though. one will, and actually I'm curious, I'd like to know how they did this, because it just doesn't make sense. They had to have some kind of inside connection to, do, to get this to work. Yeah. So. And the article indicated that they waited, that they didn't pull the trigger right away, they had the information, so they waited till Christmas Eve, and then they Which makes sense, because everybody's going home. That's right. Yeah, there's, no, there's nobody around for the holidays, so what's the best time to do it? And that's when we usually see a ramp up on most attacks is during the holiday season. A lot of people either let the guard down or, like you said, they're just not there. They're not looking. So it's it's easiest. And, and it follows a lot of the holiday trends that we just wrapped up. So the takeaway is check your uh, debit accounts, check your credit card accounts yep. for the next few months. And that actually comes from the FBI. Yeah, and it says about it was uh, they were using the prepaid cards. So somehow they got the credit up on those prepaid cards. Yeah. But can you imagine the guy sent the ATM for hours taking uh, out money out of the machine? How many machines you got to hit to get yeah. $13 million out of it? And again, that's what they do. They <laughs> just spread around to the, so you won't notice it. That just seems funny to me. I mean, it's about to pick that up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next article comes from our friends at FireEye, which we all like. Um, so FireEye has discovered a new malware, and it's a sleeper. Sleeps its way into financial institutions. Why? Why does it sleep? Uh, I mean, the best thing to do when you when you first infect something is don't show you're there. So, if FireEye sees you download something, it's and you wait for that ten minute period, whatever it is, it's going to stop looking for you. So, if you sleep for a while and don't do anything, you're not as suspicious when you start talking out again. So that's their that's their big thing is be, just do it quietly. And you know, it's it's a becoming a trend for malware to be slow. You know, low and slow is the way big people get yeah. in. That's probably what happened with the New York Times. They've been in here for four months. That's exactly what happened to the New York Times. And they're just slow at it. And it doesn't stand out on any kind of signal anywhere, so you just don't see it. Yeah. And it, again, they used FastFox, yeah. which yeah. they rotated as IPs. Right. So it just mm -hmm. looks like normal traffic. And it's mm -hmm. network modeling. So much is um, with the rapid progression of malware and, and so many new pieces of malware being written nowadays that you can't really do hash signatures. Hash signatures, you're getting signature bloat. We can't keep up with right. it. So you do network modeling. Mm -hmm. By going in and going to sleep, no one can model you. And you wait till they're not looking. Then, like what Mike says, low and slow. Let me send a little here, a little there, a little here. Now we have both used the FireEye product, yes. which we love. I do. Isn't it ironic that they found the sleep? We find that FireEye is very active in catching when it when it chirps up. Yes. Do you think it's because of the quality of the product? 
It's FireEye's ability to um, sandbox anything that it sees. So if FireEye questions something or, or sees um, questionable activity, what it'll try to do is um, it'll try to see where the open handle is. It'll try to identify the file that has um, at least initiated the network session, and then it'll sandbox it. And by sandboxing it, it'll catch the sleep. And then it'll say, okay, I now have modeled you as having a sleep. So when you go to sleep, I'm going to still watch you. And because they, they modeled the sleep as normal behavior, increase their chances of catching the malicious behavior. And um, they're a great tool. I, I really um, have um, nothing bad to say about them. They, they really help us because of their ability to um, detect behaviors. Not signatures, but behaviors. Our next article is another FireEye discovers a long-standing APT. <laughs> Advanced Persistent Threat. Thank you. It's campaigning targeting uh, the U.S. aerospace and defense industry. So even the U.S. government and the Times and Twitter, we're all having trouble keeping, keeping track of mal malware, especially something that's more sophisticated than we've seen before. Yeah, and this one actually scares me a little bit because of who they were attacking. I mean... We've already heard about people getting in the middle of a drone communication and having it do things. Yeah. And here is maybe where some of this even came from, some of the information even came from. State-sponsored, maybe? State-sponsored, I'm, oh, I'm sure. Or somebody, maybe not state-sponsored, but hoping to be state-paid. Yeah. Yes. You know, get the information and go sell it somewhere. Look what can I, yeah. look, look what I can do. Look yeah. what I can do. Right. <laughs> look mm -hmm. what I have in my hands. Yeah. And, John, I believe this is your specialty here, uh, Open SSL Security Advisory, including Lucky 13. Yes. So um, what we found was is, um, doing a, a threat analysis was there was a new backdoor. Um, but the backdoor was targeting um, more of a, a Linux, Unix platform. So it was um, very operators, uh, OS specific. So once it was able to compromise the system, and it was able to um, install itself on the system, it would open a backdoor. It would open up a, a second hidden communication. And um, by opening that backdoor, it did it through SSL. So what it tried to do is it tried to encrypt its opening. So, But would use um, OpenSSL, which is an open free source SSL application that anyone can pull down. So um, it wasn't that they created a new form or a new way to do SSL. They used an existing application like o OpenSSL. But by establishing an SSL connection, they were trying to hide what they were communicating out. Um, you know, there it's it's a it's a neat trick, but it's an old trick. Um, and there's a lot of ways to detect it, but you have to look for it. If you're not looking for it, you, you'll miss it. You, it'll go right by you. You will not see it. You have to be looking for something like now, this. Now I have SSL on my phone on my BlackBerry. Could something like this be a vulnerability? Um, not necessarily. This was actually more towards the Unix themselves. It was, uh -huh. um, I don't know if it was actually set up patchy necessarily, but it was something that was on the Unix Unix applications themselves. So it wouldn't be on your phone. You may get to see that if you're going to the server from your phone, but your phone itself is not vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. And what it does is it actually establishes um, an outbound communication. So, um, and, and it'll establish it um, through the SSL connection. And um, basically what they're saying is, is I'm here. I'm here, I'm in the box, and then it waits. And if you want to send it an update, if you want to send it additional malware, if you want to send it data stealers, um, and, and that's what it's doing. And so, um, but there, there are ways. You, you have to set your network up to look for this. You, you can't be blind to this. I mean, SSL has its legitimate purposes, and, and that's where you model your network. 
Um, but if you're not looking for this, more than likely, you probably have one form of it on your network now if you're not looking for it. And you should be looking for it. And there, there are several different tools that can, one, either detect it or you can just establish um, some, some simple logging through your routers to be able to detect this. Now, our next uh, article is uh, there's a promises of uh, a modest sum of $13,000 to anyone who breaks mega encryption. What is this all about? So, um, are you all aware of what mega.com used to be? I do not know. No, big, I don't. It was a big file sharing site. So, oh. uh, it was actually the guy who ran it uh, got arrested, okay. and I think he's in New Zealand, and I think he's supposed to be extradited sometime soon. But it, they had a bunch of copyrighted material on it, so the government went in and shut, shut them down. Mm. Well, he's now created a new sharing platform where everything is encrypted, and he can't even see what the data is. So supposedly— <laughs> He can't see his own stuff. Well, no, it's not his data. It's your data. Okay. Yeah. But the whole point is he can't tell what you have, so he can't be held liable for you putting movies up there for people to download. Okay. So now he's going out and saying, I'm, I will pay somebody if you can break my encryption. So he's paying a hacker, really. So basically, he's looking yeah. asking a hacker— Break me, yeah. <laughs> so um, the other thing is, in a kind of related article, and I remember I mentioned this last week, somebody who signed up for one of his new free accounts said, "I found my password in the in the URL for the confirmation." <laughs> so it seems like okay, you encrypt your text. data, but it's in clear text for your password. So I don't know what the, <laughs> oh. the deal with the deal with that. So, so the next article is really interesting to me. The point of sale skimmer. <laughs> And a yet undisclosed merchant breach was used Bluetooth encrypted data uh, to transfer data out of the skimmer. So, and this one is very tricky because it's welded. Did you look at the pictures of yeah. that link? That was yeah. pretty crazy. It's <laughs> welded onto the board. Yeah, it's it's soldered onto the board. I yeah. mean, it's that's pretty pretty intense. Yeah, it was definitely professional. So, doing that. Uh, so we have the skimmer. The skimmer inside has a board, and then the chip is welded, and then it Bluetooths out to whoever uses the information so out. So my, my thing is, is encrypted. If, if you if you bought a legitimate point of sales product, how is this going to get into your system? Well, that was kind of what I was wondering. I mean, did somebody go in and pay an employee to swap them out quietly? Same brand at the because the, the particular store they were targeting. So did they go in and pay somebody to swap out? Uh, stuff like that, or was one of the techs that was installing it, or were they actually swapping out market and selling things on eBay, like getting them, putting them on eBay, someone buying yeah, a repop? I don't know, and... but it's, it was interesting that they only had it in one set of stores, so it had been something kind of targeted. So, yeah, yeah. So, you, you wouldn't know where it was because Bluetooth obviously can't transmit more than thirty. No, it can't go that far. And if they if they detected it, I would have almost stayed quiet just to figure out where it was transmitting to. Yeah, I mean, it's one yeah. thing to find a device; it's another thing if you. If you're just patient enough. Yeah, but how do you find something like that? I mean, it's not like so. you, it looks like a normal skimmer because there's not like there's anything added onto the skimmer. Yeah. Like, you know, you see people that have like the add-ons or the ATM machine skimmers and things like that. This looks like and is really truly the skimmer with an internal piece to apply to it. It, it looks as though you have to do swap out the but you have to make this and then you have to yeah, swap it why out. Why would you swap it out? I mean, somebody had to be in on it. Yes. Obviously, yeah. on the inside, I would think. Yeah. Think they go. yeah. But it was pretty impressive. That's uh, I hate to say it's impressive some things like that but it was well in in the article uh the fbi or um uh, the secret service uh said yeah that this was pretty yeah. impressive yeah <laughs> this is the second time i've read something like this uh, just before the holidays uh barnes and noble had found a few of their skimmers had right something had had uh, like they had 600 stores something like that didn't they? well they had one in each store which was even weirder and it, it was, was kind of weird one well it was, yeah it was mm -hmm. a distribution of 
wasn't like local or within a region. It was it was a yeah. very broad distribution. Broad distribution. Between between one, only one. Yeah. Somebody corporate. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, for our next one, I'm going to have to throw this one to you, Mike. Uh, yeah. Is it UPNP, uh, UPNP vulnerability? All right, so you guys know what UPNP is? Or should I describe it? Just go ahead and describe go it. Ahead. So uh, when you buy a router for your home, it typically has UPNP on it. And uh, what UPNP does is applications that you have or devices. Universal plug and play. Usually that's what it is, universal plug and play. So when you plug something in your network, Got it. I know it, this one. it basically tells your firewall, I want to talk on these ports and I'm going to have things coming back to me in these ports. So it's just a communication protocol. And uh, what it ends up being with the vulnerability is the Broadcom chip that's on a lot of routers actually has a stack flaw in it and actually allows it from the outside. So huh. um, a company by, what's the name of the company? It was in here. Did a study on this. I'm sorry. Going back up. But doesn't the, the universal plug and play, ultimately what it does is it just basically lets it diagram your entire network. Yeah, but for the most part, most part. But what was happening on these routers is it's open to the outside, and there's actually a vulnerability in it that allows them to take remote control. Yeah. So I can't I didn't recommend the name of the company that did it, but there is they did a scan of the entire internet space and they found 80 million devices that were responding to this. To universal plug and play. Universal plug and play on yeah. the public network. So that's a, that's a problem. Uh, I think that our, wow. our biggest downflaw is um, it, it's it's all in good, you know, goodwill. Someone's trying to make something easier on your life. Someone's trying right. to make something, you know, as as user-friendly that my father. Right. Well, that's who, what, who types with two fingers. It's supposed to make it work know. without any any action required on your part. It's designed yeah. to be to be that way. Um, so I actually turned UPnP off on my routers, uh, and that, but that makes me have to go and put rules in my firewall to do that. Yeah. But there is a site, and I'll put it in the show notes, that at grc.com that uh, they have created that allows you to go check your router. It's Steve Gibson's site. And uh, yeah. he has, you can go in and it knows where you're coming from. You click the button and it says if you're vulnerable or you're not. So it's something to go go check. And I'll make sure that's out there. So another tip to do some self-checking. Yeah, around yeah it's too. quick too. It only takes a couple yeah. seconds to do. Well, now we come to our weekly main subject, uh, Java. And you know how my eyes always glaze over when we talk about Java. <laughs> John, do you think you could uh, to explain it, why we need Java? Why can't I just uh, do what the U.S. government and Apple tells me to do is just to disable it? So what I know about Java is mostly what I learned through school. Um, Mike is my coding expert. Um, I really rely heavily on Mike when it comes to coding because to me, coding is like foreign languages. You have the knack for it, and I don't have the knack. <laughs> so, but um, Java was one of the foundations that we had to get while getting your your degree, and um, it was one of the core languages. And and what people don't understand is 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 Java is actually a trade name. It's um it's a, a trademark. Is by that why Oracle. we have that little A right by right next to it? So people they tend to forget that they they go well you know Java is synonymous with. Um, a programming language when what Java is, is Java is a trade name, but it is a type of language. But Java is more than the language. Java, um, back in the day when it was made in 1995, um, you know, progressed to Java beans and Java bugs. And now we have Java runtime environments. We have Java virtual, virtual machines. So Java is, is more than a language. So um, the origins are, are, are very... Um, Steep. People don't realize that Java has been around for about 18 years now. Um, 
And the reason why it's been around so long is that's the underlying technology that a lot of people use when they were programming things like utilities, apps, um, when they were trying to multitask online. So what it did was it speeded up your ability to surf or download. Um, several social sites use it now to um, make it easier to use your site. So um, to use uh, Facebook, you need a Java component. To use um, so all an, of So another product created to make life easier that, right. that has now been exploited. Yes. Yeah. And and everybody says, well, you know, why, why Java? And, and we talked about that earlier. If Java doesn't get ahead of this, they're slowly um, letting them, you know, the hackers chip away at their credibility. So, you know, why Java? Well, it's the king of the hill theory. Um, why so many viruses for Windows? Well, there are more Windows devices in a home than there are any other OS. Why Java? Because Java is so widely dispersed in the cyber community. Um, it is deeply embedded in you know a lot of these these fledgling programs where people are getting their degrees and they have to learn a core language. So they learn Java, so they go after what they know. You go after what you see all the time. You go after what you're comfortable. And it may start off as a sport that develops into, hey, I found a really good exploit that I might be able to sell. So it's not that Java is easily exploited so much as it's just under constant attack. Um, somebody that is very familiar with Java, yeah, it is an easy exploit. Um, Java bypasses a lot of the security settings that are put in place to protect users. Um, it'll write straight to the core of the operating system. So when exploited, it is a big exploit. Um, and they start very shallow. Uh, so a lot of the exploits are, or at least administrator privileges, just to initiate the 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 connection, just to get in and to be able to bring in the big exploit. The the I'm gonna give you a denial service, I'm gonna shut you down, or I'm gonna take over your machine, um, or I'm going to use it as um, my my segue into an advanced persistent threat. I'm gonna sit in there low and slow, and you're not even know I'm sitting around. Um, but you know, if it's that bad and it's that easy and it's that prevalent, then why do we need it? Um, we need it because of the fact that somebody hasn't really replaced it with another acceptable product that does what it does. Um, and I talked to Mike about this earlier, and Mike says that he and, and, and the United States government has recommended and Mac has actually followed suit, and they said, just disable Java. If you disable Java, you have no problem, which is true. Um, but Java will come back and say, well, if you disable Java, you, you know, you'll have no more Facebook. You disable Java, you can't do online banking. Do we need Facebook? You know, and, and well, I mean, Facebook still works without Java. Yeah and, yeah, and I find that there there are probably some workarounds, but it, it's I think it's a personal preference. I think it's something you need to test. Um, you know, disable your Java and, and find out how big is this impact. And then, like you said, do we need Facebook? So is my impact to Facebook? Well, is it? that much of an impact on my life that, you know, I can't live without Java. I'll let someone hack my computer. Um, it just, it's it's sad. It's just one of those, it's a status quo. Java is there. So they're telling you deal with it. Well, I don't think that's acceptable anymore. Um, in today's society where we are so integrated with mobile computing, with phones, with tablets, with computers, um, so grows the presence of Java. And uh, I just, I think some, something needs to happen. And that's why Mike was saying when, when Java, when Java was recently purchased, you know, with Oracle, that he was hoping that we would get this change, that we would get that breath of fresh air, that somebody would say, okay, it's no longer acceptable to just react. 
you know, let's do something about it. Yeah, when Oracle bought Sun, I kind of hoped that they would take some extra effort and put into it, but that hasn't really happened. But as as far as as the vulnerabilities and exploits um, is as embedded as Java is, we'll continue to see it. Um, and as we say an, a new exploit, um, as I say another exploit, um, as long as Java continues in its current path, and yes, we'll we'll see this, and it just may end up where you may have to disable it, um, and and it'll be for the greater good. So we have so many legacy programs out there. What are businesses going to do that have legacy programs? They and that's that's where we'll have to test. Um, you'll have to, um, you know do coordinated shutdowns. Let's stop Java. Let's find out what the impact is going to be. And maybe um, the money that you reinvest to get away from a Java platform um, is less money than you'll lose when your Java platform is compromised. So, And we're still at that reactionary state. Um, everybody says, well, I haven't been hacked yet. I'm okay. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Java exploits next episode too. We seem to talk about it. We, I think yeah, we should have a permanent space. It's like a weekly thing. It's that's right. Java in the. In the I think we're going to have to assign that one to you. Weekly Java exploits. It uh, is, and it was interesting that it comes up so much nowadays because I I remember going to school and they said you got to have this. You know, you got to code in something. You got to code in something, and it was object oriented design. Java. <laughs> You're using some compilers. So at at the Core level, I got 18, 19 year old kids sitting next to me pecking at this stuff like it was nothing. I'm struggling. I'm fighting it. And they're they're picking it up like it's tying their shoes. So when you get a younger generation that it's been exposed to computers a lot longer than I have, and they pick it up faster, it probably is easy to exploit to them. Yep. So Okay, lastly. I thought we'd do something fun. We've talked a lot about phones and security in phones. I want each of us to say what feature they love their phone to do now and what do they wish they see that their phone would do. Start with you, Mike. Oh, that's putting me on the spot. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would like to see, and, and Mike actually did a segment on this on Security 101. Um, I'd, see, I'd like to see more of a, of a true AV console, not these little lightweight ones. They're, um, the phones are legitimate operating systems. I mean, they're, they're computers in your hand. It's amazing. I, I just think that, you know, with the growing threat against Android, I think we need to see a true um, AV console. And, and not only an AV console on your phone, but I would like to see an AV console that I can monitor from my computer that watches so my I phone. So I can actually talk to that one a little bit because, you know, I'm working on an MDM project, so... Uh, in the last week, I've recommended three different antiviruses for um, Android. Uh, there is no really antivirus that I'm aware of for iPhone. But uh, they are getting pretty sophisticated now as far as what they can yeah. do as far as management through MDM consoles. Um, I mean, it's free when, like, touchdown is free, and it's great. It's really good. I'm actually putting malware onto the phone, and it catches it. So it's one of those things that they're getting. Yeah. But getting my, my wish list would be something like, um, and not to sell a product, please. It's, I'm, I'm not endorsing a product. It's just the first that comes to my head. So say like Norton. So, um, people have Norton and so they have Norton on their PC, but to have like a mobile Norton that they can actually watch from a central console from their, their PC. So say I bring up my Norton console and say, Hey, what are my scans on my PC? What are my scans on my phone? What do I need actually, to patch? I so Norton is one of the ones I recommend. They have a free version, but they also have a paid version. Yeah. So I think the paid version gets more enter more enterprise type features. Okay. So if you're talking about personal, you know, like you 
monitor it at home, you know, yeah. that's still different. They don't do that yet. But as far as enterprise management, they're, they're definitely getting there. Android's yeah. catching up with the enterprise management stuff. Well, I want more integration. I want my phone to be a part of my home system. So I want to be able to turn my lights off by whenever my kids leave the lights on. I want to get my phone and I want to be able to turn off those lights. I can do it for you yeah. now. I can turn all these lights off. By phone? Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. I'll show you before see, we leave today. See, Mike is already there. <laughs> okay, Mike but what is about, ahead of us. What about the malware? When it turns off your light. Well, that's it for this week, for this episode. And thank you for watching, and we'll see you next week.